Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and Anne Guest. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We're at episode 194. I'm Paul Spain. I'm Nate Dunn. Welcome along, Nate. How are you doing? Very good, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. I haven't been on for a while, I think. Uh, a few weeks, a few weeks. Always, mm. always good, good to have you back. Now, for those who uh, who don't know you, where do you fit into the technology community in New Zealand? Oh, a few different things. So, uh, my main job is I, I own a company called Three Bit. We're a software house, and we do Zero stuff and Autotask stuff, and a company called Simpro. We do a lot of integrations and all sorts of other crazy stuff. Uh, I also I'm a moderator on Geekzone. So, uh, the nice thing is we're not getting as much spam, and I'm not really having to do as much mod. Um, stuff as I used to and then the last one is I also run uh, Tuiana Cafe which is a central cafe in Mount Eden so yeah it keeps me pretty busy excellent excellent alright well uh, thank you for coming back on the show and uh, every now and then uh, I like to fill people in about what I do so my uh, my main business is a company called Gorilla Technology we provide uh, IT services to uh, to organizations uh, businesses and not-for-profits uh, predominantly in the uh, the Auckland and uh, upper North Island area now the reason I mention that this time is that I'm on the lookout for an operations manager so if anyone out there uh, is looking for a role or knows somebody who uh, would be a good uh, tech, technology um, op- ops manager. Uh, then, uh, then do get in touch. All right, now let's uh, let's jump into our agenda for this week. Uh, first up, some uh, some news bites. Uh, we've just heard today that Orcon have launched a free global mode service uh, that appears to be uh, fairly similar to what uh, Slingshot have been offering in uh, well for the last year or so. Uh, which provides their users with access to international services such as uh, Netflix, Hulu Plus, uh, BBC iPlayer and so on. Uh, of course, you can also access those services by uh, uh, following the instructions on the NZ Tech Podcast website and, and using a, uh, an, a, a separate provider uh, such as un, un, Unblock US uh, to access those services through, through any other provider. Uh, and in upcoming events, Microsoft's uh, TechEd conference is coming back to uh, to Sky City again in September, the 9th to the 12th of September. Uh, quite a big range of uh, of speakers there. Uh, Michelle Dickinson, uh, also known as Nano Girl, a uh, scientist from Auckland uh, University, is going to be uh, speaking. They've got uh, James Whitaker, who's a distinguished technical uh, evangelist at uh, at Microsoft, uh, who's going to be uh, he he. I guess his role is uh, showing Microsoft's vision of the future uh, in a number of areas. And uh, Steve Martin, no, not the funny guy, um, but um, he's head of data analytics and strategy. Uh, for the cloud and enterprise team at Microsoft. So, um, yeah, a big event there for uh, for software developers and uh, those involved in uh, working with Microsoft's uh, technologies. Uh, Nate, is that an area, that uh, an event that you tend to uh, attend from time to time? I've actually never been, and we use Microsoft stuff heavily. How bad is that? I don't know. I've, I suppose I've, I know it is a, I think it is a justified cost, but it is a big cost for a small company like us. So I think really it's a cost, and it's also a lot of time out as well where, where we could be, you know, earning money. So no, I've, not, I've not been, but I've heard nothing but positive feedback about it. So really should get along to it. Very good. Well, uh, we'll certainly... Um 
be reporting back on uh, on the highlights this year. Now, uh, jumping into our discussion topics, uh, first up, there's been reports out of uh, out of China in uh, recent days that the uh, the Chinese government wants to uh, wants to launch their own operating system uh, that basically puts them uh, out of out of reach of the US uh, government maybe interfering with uh, with software and, and hardware and so on so if they they're making all their own hardware and their own software uh, then uh, maybe they might be a little bit uh, safer as far as uh, cyber warfare type situations uh, and this could potentially launch as soon as October what do you Pretty think about this Nate is it, does this make uh, make much sense to you I suppose it does. It, it locks down the... If you're not only developing the hardware and the software, you've got um, greater control over exactly anything that's sitting in the background. And I always thought this stuff was a bit sort of pie in the sky and, and paranoia sort of thing. But uh, the Wired magazine popped up about a week ago where they uh, one of the guys interviewed Edward Snowden in Russia. And um, he said the first thing that Snowden said to him is, if you've got a cell phone on you, I need you to take the battery out. Because when he was in the NSA, they'd actually worked out how to remotely switch on microphones on phones without a thing. I was like, oh my gosh, that's mental. So I can see why the Chinese are probably a little bit anxious about having all their own stuff. Because then you can guarantee, well, I suppose you could get some malware in, but you pretty much guarantee that no one's watching and and keeping on you. And I suppose in the industry, in the world that we're living in now, that wars are not fought on battlefields, they're fought on a digital battlefield. Well... Yes and no. Uh, I'm not sure that developing their own software guarantees that uh, they're going to be secure, though, does it? But it certainly means that they can avoid paying licensing fees to uh, American corporations. Interesting. All right. Uh, Now, next up, Sky have announced some some pretty impressive profits. Uh, Their profits have grown 26% uh, year on year. Uh, to $165 million for the last uh, financial year that's uh, just finished up. So, yeah, from from their perspective, online uh, streaming services and and the like haven't been uh, haven't been causing them too much pain. Well, we had I remember you and I had this discussion probably a year ago. We were talking about really the only dent we could see from an online service would be that it becomes much easier. Like your just stock standard mum and dad at home could somehow plug in a router. And I suppose now with global mode on, with Orcon, it's going to be a lot easier. And slingshot of a little bit easier. A little bit easier. This. Yeah. Um, but the fact is that you can just sign up and and watch your way. I did put a funny, or I thought it was a funny comment on Geekson earlier, saying that I wonder if Sky will start blocking Orcon ads since it's only fair since they blocked slingshot because they were. Well, I think they were blocking particular slingshot ads that were. Uh, uh, highlighting a particular capability, I'm not sure they were saying it was a blanket ad uh, ban on all advertising from from Slingshot. Uh, but yeah, it would it would be interesting to see if the next uh, uh, move would be for our bigger internet providers to start offering this sort of global mode. Seems very unlikely to me for two reasons. One, Vodafone is a very close partner with Sky, uh, so they would probably be somewhat cautious on that basis. And Telecom, well, they have their own uh, streaming product launching this week, in fact. Uh, Lightbox is due to launch. So oh, cool. uh, there's probably reasons there why uh, why both of our, our biggest players probably wouldn't uh, wouldn't go down that track. Um, what are your thoughts? you agree? 
I don't know. I, I, to be fair, I thought Slingshot doing global mode would be the only ones that would ever attempt it or look at doing it, and then it gets announced today that Orcon are doing it. So who knows? <laughs> who knows? All right. Well, we'll we'll uh, we'll see how that uh, that progresses. Now, as I mentioned, uh, Lightbox due to launch this week. In fact, currently, if you go to their uh, their their website, or it was certainly this. Uh, this was a case a few minutes ago. Uh, if you went to www.lightbox.co.nz, you'd be asked for a password. And if you went to lightbox.co.nz, you would just get a message saying, Welcome to Nginx. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they're obviously uh, work, working away on their uh, uh, their launch, and they haven't quite figured out how to put up a nice, friendly uh, uh, holding page. Um, so At least they own the domain, so could have yes. been something different if it was they didn't even have the domain name. Very, very true. Uh, but yeah, looking looking forward to that one uh, that one landing and to uh, yeah just just seeing how they progress. Obviously, some uh, some pretty good content which we've talked about in recent weeks, uh, but initially a real lack of uh, you know support for uh, yeah for a broad range of devices. Uh, but I'm not too worried about that because they're uh, they say they're planning for uh, 70,000 subscribers uh, by the end of the next financial year um, so mid 20 uh, mid 2015 and if they're going to do that they're going to have to be on pretty much every platform available so they will be very, working very very hard right now seriously and uh, no no doubt for uh, for quite a long time to come uh, in terms of access, in terms of uh, making it easy to uh, to Access uh, Lightbox. Do you think you'd swap over from from? Actually, are you running QuickFlix at home? Uh, I've got QuickFlix and Netflix and Hulu Plus and Freeview. Uh, so yeah, a few ways of accessing content, and and then of course you've got the apps from uh, TVNZ and and TV3. And a few weeks back, we talked about some of the other. Um, yeah, there's a few other ones available as well. Mm. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would certainly be adding, uh, you know, Lightbox into the mix to be, you know, trying out and, and spending some, some time with. Uh, at the moment, I guess Netflix is probably my most common go-to for content. It's just, it's easy one. There's a lot of choice in there. That said, in terms of new and fresh content, Lightbox, you know, looks to be stealing a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a march. I suppose it really is the content, isn't it, that's going to drive, um, people to the different services i've i'm running hbo at home as well as the sort of setup that you've got and that's through a friend of mine's got um, an hbo account in the states and he's given me his version of tvnz on demand so i watch that here and that's got but the thing is unless you're doing what i'm doing where you're sharing that sort of log and there's no other way to game of thrones is so popular for hbo and it's the most torrented tv series isn't it yeah so there's a there's a lot of obviously illegal options and yeah, as we see the legal, the the, you know, the legitimate ways of accessing content improve. Yeah, that's likely to uh, you know cut down on, on people having to jump through varying hoops. And All of course, Sky of TV are launching their own uh, streaming service this year, so we're not quite sure exactly when that's going to launch. But they're, they're saying by year end. I think the biggest, if you're into movies and documentaries, I, I think every, we've got everything covered with the different services that we've got. But the big hole in this whole um, setup is still sport. If you like sport, for example, the the game that was on on the weekend, um, you've got no choice but to have Sky, unless you're happy to watch it on Prime, 
Well, it depends what what the sport is, true. Uh, because you can sign up for some of the uh, the American sports. I suppose we've with, got the Premier League with, pass with, with as well, subscriptions, don't we? and you've got the Premier League pass. For uh, so for your um, yeah English football, uh, and I think that's something that potentially will will continue changing in the future. Although I imagine uh, yes, Sky will make an extra an extra effort not to lose. Uh, yeah, too much more content, but there is a swing in uh, in other markets to content being available both through broadcast and through online uh, mechanisms. So, for instance, we might well see an online uh, subscription option to see the All Blacks, uh, and that you would be able to maybe buy that yeah directly uh, through you know allblacks.com, something like that as well as them having a deal signed uh, w- with Sky, for instance, so that you've got that uh, um, that direct online mechanism. And they may well sell that, uh, you know, sell that globally as well. It might not be limited to a New Zealand market. So, yeah, I think there'll be some uh, more options opening up as this sort of on- online streaming just becomes the uh, the norm. I think, and we're not actually the only ones having this issue, a different, a different issue that came up on the blog post I was reading uh, the other week was that the FCC is asking for um, submissions for things like baseball games, because what I didn't actually know is in some of the smaller provinces, um, when a baseball game is on, they actually won't show it on TV to encourage people to go to the, the game, and the only time they'll show it is if, and I'm probably going to misquote this, but I'm pretty sure that they'll only show it if the game's sold out. So they're talking about the the um, FCC is asking for submissions about whether they should keep the status quo or actually make it so that if you want to go to the stadium, you can, or if you just want to stay home, you can you can watch it at home. So I suppose we've got these issues here where you've got one provider that's locked up the coverage of would be our most popular game, but in the states they've got all sorts of other rules. So there's really not a a perfect model globally, really, is there? Lots of issues in, all, in lots of different places. Yeah, yeah, there, there are certainly challenges, and yeah, I'm not sure that all of those things will will resolve themselves uh, perfectly. There, you know, there are there are some benefits to having one company you can go to for a yeah, one subscription that covers the whole lot. Whether it, uh, you know, is cost effective for most people, I, you know, I would say, yeah, certainly over time, I would expect things to come down in price, but there's you know there's no guarantee of that and uh you know if you've got uh yeah a monopoly on something let's say it's uh rugby and you decide you want to charge more than what you were making before uh for an online subscription yeah that sort of thing could be possible so uh yeah all may not be as uh, as perfect as what we would like in the future mm. Oh, well. For now, let's uh, let's wait and see. Enjoy what we've got. Uh, now, in terms of other products that are coming through, uh, Microsoft Surface Pro Three uh, lands in New Zealand officially this week. Although I have must admit, I have seen a lot of these around over the last uh, few weeks since I've been using the Surface Pro Three. Uh, there's a, quite a number of people that have brought them in from from the US, and Microsoft have, have put a few out into. Uh, into varying people's hands as well, uh, but most yeah most of the ones I think I've seen are, are ones that people have uh, brought back from uh, from travels to the US. Uh, in terms of my experience with it, I've I've been quite enjoying it. It still uh, does have some differences compared to a traditional laptop from a from the from a downside perspective, but not a whole lot. Um, I'm doing something now with the Surface Pro Three. I'm using it on my lap. 
uh, which I, I didn't find uh, such a good experience with this previous Surface uh, Pro products. And I find that actually work, that works uh, that works okay. And in most most other scenarios, it's it's pretty excellent having uh, such a small and light device that you can uh, you can carry around. What's the build quality like? It does it everything feels a bit snappier and stronger than the the previous model, or very much the same? Well, the, the, I mean, the tablet itself is very similar. I I do like the way that they've done uh, the the kickstand, and uh, that's. Because the previous one, nice the kickstand would only go not, out. Well, the, the on first it. one had had sort of one angle. The second one had two angles. You could have it to, yeah. and this one you can fold it. You're virtually the whole way back. So if you just want to have it uh, as a sort of tilted tablet on the, on the table in front of you for a meeting, you can do that. Uh, and yeah, you can position it at at pretty much any angle until it gets quite close to closed, and then and then it just sort of falls closed from uh, from there. But yeah, I I find that that's um, that's a really great great way to uh, to to use it, being able to put it at those various uh, positions in terms of what suits you. And the keyboard is more rigid, uh, particularly because of the way uh, that it magnetically sort of follows um, the base of yeah. the uh, the screen, and it, that gives it some rigidity. And also, it puts a little bit of an angle on the keyboard, which is really nice. Uh, and because you've gone from you know the 10.6 inch screen on the previous models to a, to a 12 inch, you've got a bigger uh, bigger device to play with. That means you end up with a bigger keyboard and trackpad. And now it's really at what I think is a real sweet spot in terms of size. Uh, that works really really well. I think the previous one it was really easy to make a lot of typos because the keyboard was a little bit too cramped. Mm. Uh, now it's not far off a uh, a full size keyboard, so yeah, I think they've done a um, they've done a pretty good job with this one, and not too many complaints. Although uh, there have been some um, reports of overheating on some of the i seven uh, models on some of those top end models recently, so I don't know whether that's something that's um, yeah because of a faulty firmware update that uh, that causes a problem. Or uh, you know whether it's bigger than that, or it's something they'll just fix with a uh, with a software update. It just means it becomes dual purpose. It's a laptop and a hot plate. Yeah, you cook your lunch, warm your lap. Mm. Yeah, yeah, great on uh, great on a winter's day, right? Um, but yeah, probably that's going to burn through your battery a bit quicker. Uh, yeah, that's true. Too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the battery, I've been finding the battery life on it. Uh, it's good. And yeah, just being able to dock it in, and uh, well, I don't actually have the full dock yet, but just you know, linking it up to my uh, 32 inch inch screen uh, here w- works well. And yeah, I've had one or two oddities with it. I do really like the um, uh, the the stylus and the ability to use that with one note, um, but I have had a few oddities where it can take a little bit longer to sort of you know. Uh, wake up and make itself available and of course when you've just got a, a bit of paper and pen uh, you can start writing straight away but this you've got to wait till you till you're uh, till you're into your app before you can uh, start start capturing everything um, the other odd issue I had was I bumped something at one stage and I'd written a whole bunch of notes and uh, they disappeared oh, so um, yeah not completely perfect. So that just happened at the beginning. So I think I've probably, probably, I don't know, whatever I, whatever I, I bumped some sort of undo or something, and um, yeah, lo- lost a few things. So I'll, I'll be more cautious in future. Uh, but yeah, overall, I think the uh, Microsoft are onto something with the Surface 
Pro 3. Now, interestingly, in terms of how they're sort of putting it out to the market, the uh, the video and promotional sort of things that you see around for it are very much uh, targeting the MacBook Air. So it's that sort of uh, competing with the MacBook Air, which, of course, they can highlight that they've got a higher-definition screen and that it's lighter and that it's got uh, yeah, things like a, a, a micro SD card slot. They're, you know, they're varying things in there that uh, you know, allow them to position it as as stronger in some ways uh, compared to the MacBook Air. Um, I'm not sure it's a, a, a direct compete, but if you're looking for something that's thin and light, then, yeah, your MacBook Air is, pro- is probably one of the okay. other uh, very, very strong choices in the market. So... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, why why not uh, target it that way? It's um, it's an interesting approach, and I think for, you know for those that are uh, that are interested in a in a Windows type product, uh, the Surface yeah Pro Three um, is is probably one of the best out there at the moment. Mm. All right, uh, now other a uh, couple of other bits and pieces. Uh, Windows nine or whatever the next version of Windows is going to be called. Uh, a preview of that is expected very soon. Uh, sometime sometime in uh, September is the word, and we're getting we're getting indications that it's possible that they will sort of keep updating that. So for those that jump on board with the preview version, they're not going to be stuck with what they download initially. They'll uh, they'll sort of uh, fall into this sort of rapid uh, uh, cool. update cycle. So uh, so you'll get to I guess go with the product as uh, as it improves. And of course we're even seeing that now with Windows eight point one, uh, you know, much more regular updates. And so it's good to see that Microsoft are, are really getting on board with this uh, modern way of of development. And we're not waiting. Yeah, three years between new versions, but actually they'll roll out features, uh, yeah, as and when appropriate. A few challenges, probably for some uh, some organisations with that from a, a training perspective, and and uh, maybe well, probably less likely a compatibility perspective. But I actually think that's good because for too long we've had large organisations that have themselves stuck on really old versions of software. And it, it creates a lot of difficulties. And I think if we can get into a world where everyone actually is is running uh, the latest or virtually the latest, it, it would actually make life uh, a lot nicer for mm. uh, yeah for for users of technology. It's uh, that it's that whole anal- analogy around Internet Explorer, um, Firefox, and Chrome. Where um, and I only use Chrome now because I find it's the best one. It's the quickest, but you don't have a version of Chrome. Chrome just keeps itself updated, so everyone's always on the the latest version. So you're not getting those issues, especially as a, a developer. You always get those issues. Um, IE is the worst when people are running really old versions of IE mm, because mm. their corporate environment's locked down. They've got to. And you're coming up with all sorts of hacks just to try and get it to work in a legacy That's version. That's right. There's a huge hatred out there, isn't there, especially amongst software developers of Internet Explorer. Now, it may not relate to the latest version because Internet Explorer 11 is actually yeah, really good. Yeah, the latest one's fine. Um, but there's that hatred out there because of those old versions. And, yeah, if Microsoft can... Uh, you know, can get everyone to come into the cycle of keeping things current. Then we're going to, uh, you know, uh, 
yeah, avoid some of that that pain for uh, for software developers and for users and 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 so on. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm all for things staying uh, staying current, and it's something that you know amongst my uh, customer base, the companies that I work with, we've generally been able to do that because they're small businesses. Uh, they want to take advantage of the the latest and greatest technologies, and in general, we've been able to do that. Sometimes we're stuck with um, an obscure third party who says no no we we won't support the latest version of office or the latest version of this until it's been around for three years or five years or you know something uh, equally as crazy um on that front there is um another i guess you could call it a pat on the back for microsoft or maybe it's just um an added benefit of their move to uh licensing office under a subscription model Mm. so for those that that, uh, license office through office the office 365 program that delivers continual updates to people so now software vendors that have said oh you have to stay back on this version or that version to work with our product that they're actually going to have to uh, pull up their socks a little bit and 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 make it work with the latest versions because once people move to three six five, uh, they won't be able to run an older an older version. That's certainly where where it's heading. I mean, at the moment there there's a level of flexibility with the version that you run, but once you move on to the official sort of three six five version of Office, uh, that will just keep getting upgraded. And you know we're we're expecting to see a new version of Office next year, a sort of twenty fifteen uh, edition, probably in the first half of the year. Uh, and yeah, that's going to you know, create some problems, but but I hope this uh, sort of the momentum with Office three six five will start uh, uh, solving that in some ways, and um, uh, developers will come on come on board. So yeah, um, from your perspective, Nate, as a running a software development firm, do, do you have um, problems sort of you know, keeping up to date with those those sort of things or most of your products are web-based anyway so it's really about compatibility yeah we we try to browsers. keep everything in the browser just because it's easier especially if you're doing a big rollout to multiple sites it's pretty rare i i would say to have um any sort of software unless it's quite proprietary or there's some particular things you got to do with hardware like maybe cad design or anything like that but you it's far easier I think the future of, of my industry by far is a service. So you, you're moving away from having the big license fees and you're moving to having lots of customers who are paying you, you know, 20 or 30 bucks a month for a service. And it's all done in the browser. So you don't have to worry about any of their hardware and it just, it sort of just ticks over. And we've got a, a sync, one of our biggest sync systems or one of our biggest products that we offer keeps, um, invoicing data between Zero, the online accounting engine and a company called Autotask which sells software to IT companies such as yourself um, and we just send invoicing data back and forth pretty simple mm. but it's, it saves a lot of, of time so for us too it's finding those like little niches and finding where people are like it's taking me too long to do this task I'm happy to pay you $50 a month to do it and then multiplying that over a good volume and you can start to make some you know good passive income and, and good reoccurring income that's where I think it sort of sits for us, anyway. Yeah, uh, that that makes that makes uh, makes a lot of a lot of sense. Now, um, USB three point one. I don't th- I don't think we managed to uh, get time to chat about this uh, in the last week or two, and uh, we have been hearing for a little while that um, that a new version of USB is coming, and as part of that, a new uh, a new plug, a new connector. They're calling it Type C. 
for want of a better term, that's what they've uh, that's what they've called it. Um, now, the nice thing about this is that it will be much. Um, it'll bear some some similarities to Apple's Lightning connector, and the annoyance of the Lightning connector is that it's unique to Apple. But the the, the really nice thing, which I like about it, is it doesn't matter which way. Up that you that you plug it, it just it just works. The thing right. is that you can have your eyes closed and you can easily plug your charger in, which we have the issue with micro USB. Is that you, I think with USB you've got that thing where you try it three times, you try it one way and then reverse it the other way, and then oh no, I was right the first time. Yeah, yeah, it's always three happens. times. Um, so the Type C connector, in theory, you'll be able to use it at both both ends as well. So uh, potentially your your laptop or, or uh, uh, whatever you're wanting to you know, plug something into will have a smaller connector. And then so will your uh, yeah smartphone or whatever it, it may be. So uh, that could be rather handy. And uh, yeah, but we I do think. have to go through a whole new set of cables replacing what we got. But the nice thing again about USB uh, is that yeah you know, gen- generally they're yeah they're reasonably uh, they're reasonably priced. You're not paying a huge premium for a. Uh, for for a USB cable, so good to see the rest of the world catching up. I guess in this case, uh, with what Apple uh, have have been doing, uh, and maybe maybe even uh, stepping forward a little bit. So uh, I'm not sure how Apple will handle this. I guess maybe they'll have a Type C connector on their devices, and then oh, a yeah, Lightning nice. on the other end. Or do you think, Nate, there's a chance that they would go uh, purely with these uh, new USB connectors on? Um, from end to end, uh, doubt it. <laughs> why? Why be easy when you can be difficult? Well, you can be Apple. So. All right. Well, uh, yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm not sure, but I guess if the past, uh, uh, yeah, tells us anything, it uh, it may well suggest that they will they will continue having a unique cable, and that there will be some benefit of um, of of doing that. So let's. Well, we'll, we'll see. Uh, yeah, and not too far off. I think a new uh, new iPhone due to be announced uh, within uh, within about uh, about two weeks' time. So Have we seen a whole lot of leaks about what it's going to look like? Yeah, really? yeah. There's, sure. a, there's a whole lot of info around screen sizes and things like that, and debate whether it's going to have a, uh, a quartz, uh, sorry, a sapphire screen or not. Uh, but certainly, we're expecting 4.7 and 5.5 inch screen type models. Uh, new iPads and other other things also landing in the, in the next little while. It's so hard to gauge, eh? Because you you just you don't know whether the, it's all leaks, and you don't it's you don't know what it's actually going to end up being. And and there's such a a huge thirst online for that sort of stuff where they just it goes mental as soon as a little photo or a diagram or something that the patent office has, has that someone's logged with the patent office and, and that sort of stuff. It just goes crazy. Yeah, and I think that's. Um, the, I mean, there is such an interest in an Apple product now that it is very hard for it to be completely locked down. So uh, you generally find that some of these leaks are reasonably accurate because people in factories and so on are, are, are looking out. And it's you know, if you've got X million products that are in the middle of being manufactured and probably will have been for uh, for some time, if it's if we, if we're going to see product in the. Uh, September, October type time frame, uh, yeah. Then there's probably nothing you can you can do to entirely lock that down until we move to a position where all the manufacturing is being done by robots and it's all locked down and, and no, secured. But uh, there's a lot of people in the process at the moment. Uh, yeah, millions of people in that process. But 
over the next few years that will probably transition uh, away and there will be m- uh, much more automated uh, processes doing doing uh, you know, what are, at the moment are, are manual steps. I suppose the thing too is I've got to release it to third parties as well because when they release the phone they want to have like cases and third party whatever and if your partners haven't had a chance to to actually see what the form factor is going to be like and so there's another possibility of leaks happening out there as well. Yeah, I'm not sure how Apple do that side of it. I think they're probably pretty locked down in those regards and in fact they would probably prefer that other people's you know third party uh, add-ons came later rather than there being a chance of a leak. Mm. So, uh, but but I'm not sure that that's actually actually what happens. Certainly, we do seem to see accessories that are are launched, uh, you know, pretty pretty uh, concurrently, or certainly announced pretty uh, concurrently. Um, now, one other product, uh, and again, this was from last week. We, we ran out of time to uh, to squeeze it in. Um, a heads up display. This was. Um, Read about this uh, on t- uh, TechCrunch, and it's a, uh, a heads-up display called NavD. Uh, and the the concept is that you put this uh, this little device on the dashboard of your car. Now, I guess you're probably going to need to stick it down in some way so it doesn't uh, slide around uh, all all over the place. Uh, but but the concept is that it uh, yeah links through to your cell phone. Uh, gives you uh, a heads-up display of of sorts. It's got its own uh, its own screen, and uh, it's also got some gesture can controls. So uh, you know you can uh, you can use it for uh, f- yeah for guiding your direction or for uh, yeah reading out uh, text messages, initiating uh, calls and and whatnot. Uh, but with that, with being able to keep your eyes uh, more on the te- on the screen on on the road, yeah. Uh, so the um, the the pre-orders have uh, last week they were up to around a million dollars worth of pre-orders, uh, and you could order these things with uh, with I think it was a forty percent discount on what will be the uh, the final price uh, you know following the uh, this this pre-order uh, stage. Um, quite a cool video online if you're interested in this sort of thing. You're interested in sort of car uh, uh, car tech, and um, yeah, it looks looks pretty cool. Uh, works in with iPhones and uh, and Android uh, devices at this stage. Your sort of thing, Nate. Two hundred ninety nine uh, US dollars. Um, probably is. I actually posted something along the same lines, but for motorcycle helmets. That's been up on Kickstarter, I think, it was or, or one of those um, crowdsourcing sites. Very similar sort of thing where, because um, my brother's a, a motorcyclist, and it pops up with a little display and shows you navigation and who's called, and you can answer calls and all sorts of crazy stuff. So I think I think this is a bit of a popular field. That sort of um, minority report sort of style heads up display. I, I think the first version is probably going to be a little bit. Yeah, and then as they refine the technology and it gets better and better, it'll, you'll probably find it um, becoming actually a part of cars that they'll they'll all ship with it. Yeah, in. and I mean that was the interesting thing with the time I got with with, uh, with Ford last week. So looking at some of their their things, um, yeah, part of the challenge with that is that technology becomes such an integral part of the vehicle that yeah, you know, when you want the technology change, you've actually got to upgrade the whole thing, whereas you know, the, the key parts of what the car actually is built for uh, might still well last for uh, 
for a lot longer. But after a year or two, you may well find the uh, the technology is 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 well overdue. Yeah. Uh, and and cars because of safety, because you know a whole whole range of uh, factors. You know, it tends to take a few years from you know from start to finish in designing and and building and launching a new car, yeah. uh, whereas technology tends to move much quicker. So the concept of add-on devices uh, to your vehicle, like a heads-up display, uh, that isn't integrated, uh, yeah, to me ha- certainly has some uh, some attraction, but uh, also you know, in general somewhat uh, somewhat messy. Having these sort of, you know, you got all sorts of bits stuck onto your dashboard. Uh, yeah, I guess it was the same thing with yeah, add-on GPS and uh, um, yeah, re- having a Bluetooth headset uh, or blue, yeah, Bluetooth units in your car and so on for a while. Um, those things have probably got tidier as we need you know, less and less of them, and the smartphones tended to do more. Mm-hmm. Um, would you be tempted to upgrade your car more often if there was a lot of uh, of new technology, you know, coming through each year? Um, yeah, probably. I um, I'm actually not a massive car fan, so it would have to be something pretty revolutionary for me to try. I, um, yeah, I try to where we live at the moment. I'm about five minutes drive from work, and I don't enjoy long trips. And I even flying, I wish that they'd invent um, teleporters because I hate waiting around the airport and you wait for the flight to just get me there so I can do whatever meetings or holiday whatever I'm doing, and then teleport me back. Bring it on. Fair enough. Well, yeah, the technology's quite not quite there yet, is it? And uh, SpaceX had a little uh, little explosion with one of their, uh, their their test rockets the other day. So uh, um, the idea of flying you, yeah, up into space and then back back down again um, is probably still a little little way off as well, because hmm. uh, that that would be uh, that'd be a pretty rapid way of getting yourself to. Uh, to and from New York, I would imagine once they uh, buy rocket, once they nail that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's not something we'll be doing this year anyway. All right, well, uh, thank you very much, Nate, for uh, for joining us on the NZ Tech Podcast again. Now you're very easy to find online, aren't you? Yeah, probably the easiest way is to find me on Twitter. So I'm just at Nate on Twitter. So that's nice and short. I also blog on Geek Zone. Um, so you just jump on the front page of that. Excellent. And yep, you can find me on Twitter at Paul Spain. Uh, occasional sort of blog update on uh, on Geek Zone in, in addition to uh, to podcast announcements uh, there, and um, the place to start looking out for uh, for new podcasts. Uh, we've got a new site uh, just launched at podcasts.co.nz and uh, more than likely you'll see uh, you'll see a few new podcasts popping up on there over the uh, over the the next little while uh, for anyone out there who is interested in producing their own podcast and would be uh, interested in, in joining our global voice media network of podcasts uh, do get in touch uh, and you can do that via uh, globalvoicemedia.com so thanks everyone for listening in we'll catch you all on the next episode next week all right see ya <laughs>